welcome everybody today to part five of our series called Established, where we've been looking at how do you get rooted and established in the love of God. And what I've been trying to do is, is give you some, some habits and some tips and tricks and principles, because a lot of people go, you know, it's so tough for me to, to walk with Jesus when I can't actually see Jesus each and every day. And so what I've been doing is I'm giving you these, these different aspects uh, to, to help make that a little bit easier for you. Now, what I'm going to talk to you about today, I think, is probably the most important one I've talked to you about so far in this whole series. Now, I know some of you are going, but wait a second, Gilbert, you, you talked about things like reading the Bible and serving other people. You, you talked about how to listen for the voice of God and, and how to talk to God in prayer. You're saying there's something that's even more important than that? And I'm going to say to you, yes that what we're going to look at today is what's going to keep you praying. It's going to keep you reading. It's going to keep you applying. It's going to keep you serving. And what it is is simply this, that to walk with Jesus best, you've got to walk with other people as well. Let me say that again. If you want to walk best with Jesus, if you want to have a close walk with him, you've got to take that walk along with other people. Christianity was never designed to be done alone. This was God's plan from the very beginning. Remember, God creates the heavens and the earth, and he creates Adam and Eve. Why? To have a relationship not just with him, but to have a relationship with each other as well and, and other humans. We talked about this last week, that Jesus, when a scholar came to him and said, Jesus, what, what's the most important command that there is? And Jesus looked at him and goes, love the Lord your God with all your heart mind, soul, and strength. And he says, there's a second commandment that is equally important. That is, you got to love your neighbor just as much as you love yourself. So again, this has been God's plan from the very beginning, not just to have a relationship with him, but to have the best relationship with him as possible. You've got to have a close relationship with some others. Scripture would say it's iron sharpening iron, that you're better together. Now, here's the difficulty in all that. To be in a relationship with other people means that there's other people. How many of you know that sometimes people are messy? Sometimes people are, how many of you ever been hurt by somebody? You ever had somebody that like hurt you by their words? Maybe they physically abused you. They emotionally abused you in some way. Have you ever had somebody that's put you down, that's made you feel inadequate? Come on, how many of you, have, you've been hurt by people? And so what, what's so weird is we get hurt by people, but yet God says it's those very people that can help you get closer to me. And so we've got to walk in that, that tension of, man, if, if I get close with this person, if I confess my sins to this person, yeah, they could, they could turn around and they could, they could use that against me. But yet at the same time, if I do that, and I get the relationship that Jesus wants, oh man, my relationship, not only with that person, but my relationship with Jesus is going to go to way higher levels. And so we, we've got to get close to people. There, there's an old saying that says this, that you show what you know when you act on the fact. You ever heard that before? You show what you know when you act on the fact. Again, the fact of the matter is this, you need people you want to get close to Jesus, you're going to need people. 
Because that's how you sort of test it out. You see, God wants to give you his love and his grace and his mercy, his forgiveness. But as we've been talking about, it's so hard sometimes to grasp that concept because you're like, I can't see God. I I can't see Jesus. How do I know if I've really accepted his love, his grace, his mercy, and his forgiveness? God says, here's what I need you to do. Give it away. You give love to people. You give mercy to people. You give grace to people. You give forgiveness to people. You show what you know when you act on the fact. When you're now able to give it away to other people, it shows that, oh, okay, yeah, I I actually understand this. And what you really start to understand is that if I, an imperfect person, can give away love and grace and mercy and forgiveness to others, how much more so is a perfect God going to give that to me? So we need other people. But to truly walk together with other people, there's one attribute that's going to be so, so important that you live out. So if you have a Bible, go and turn to 1 Peter chapter 5. Again, 1 Peter chapter 5. I want to welcome those of you that are watching online with us here this morning. You see up in the upper right-hand corner of your screen there, there's a little uh, link there. It's called Talk Notes. If you'll uh, push that, that's going to take you to all the scriptures we're going to look at today, as well as all the points I'm going to be making. For those of you that are live here in the room, if you go to your smartphone or tablet, go to our website, exponential.church, you're able to access the Talk Notes there as well. All right, so 1 Peter chapter 5. We're going to begin with verse 5. The very first part of the verse, we read this. All of you, does all of you, does that include you? Yes, okay, all right. So all of you do what? Clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. That's what I want to talk to you about today is this attribute of humility. I want you to notice here that Peter doesn't say humble yourselves before God, although that is something you should do. No, he says humble yourselves, have humility towards one another. And so keep that in mind as we go throughout the rest of this message, that I'm to be humble, that I'm to have humility around other people. Because if you can get this right, all other aspects of your life are going to fall into place. Your faith, your relationships, just everything It's going to be so much better when you learn to humble yourselves before other people. Peter explains why that is in the second part of verse 5 when he writes this, For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Basically, Peter's saying, look, if you're not humble, you're on the opposite team of what God is. God is going to oppose you. You're going to be in for deep trouble. The question is, what is humility? Well, there's a, again an old saying, and this isn't the dictionary definition of the word, but I think it actually explains it the best. I put it on your outline so you can be reminded of it, that humility isn't thinking less about myself, it's thinking about myself less. Say that again. Humility isn't thinking less about myself, it's thinking about myself less. Humility is such a big deal. If you don't have humility, you don't have the power of God working in your life. You don't have humility, your life isn't going to change. Humility is such a a big deal. 
But a lot of times people think that, well, humility, you know, that, that means that I've got to put myself down. I have to have a, a negative self-impression of myself. Or that humility means that I need to be weak or, or, or timid or meek in some way. But that's not true at all. You can be very, very confident and still have humility. You can take courageous acts of faith and still do it with humility. Humility, again, it's such a big deal. We talked about it last week. Humility is any time that you put other people's interests before your own. Humility is when you go, okay, what's best for the kingdom of God? What's best for other people, not what's best for me? Humility is any time you're trying to make Jesus' name famous instead of you making your own name famous. Humility is admitting that, you know what, I'm not perfect. And you confess that, not only to God, but you confess that to other people. But in the, in the course of all that, you realize that, you know what, I may not be who I want to be right now, but with God's help and with other people's help, I'm on the path to where God would have for me to be. So again, humility isn't thinking less about myself. It's thinking about myself less. So how do we live that out? That's what I want to take the rest of today's message to look at. I want to give you three principles that you can apply to your life, three thoughts that you can have to help you become a more humble person. So the first one is this. Humility is a choice I must make. Again, humility is a choice I must make. Let's go back and look at verse 5 again, but let's read it in its full context this time. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5, Peter writes, All of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Now today, when you woke up, all of you, as I'm looking out, chose to clothe yourselves before you came to Exponential. Thank you so much for that. We all appreciate it. And because you live in America, the, the richest country in the world, you actually had a choice of what to clothe yourself in. Some of you, you, you decided to, to be a little more formal. Some of you went very, very casual. Some of you have long sleeves on. Some of you chose short sleeves. Some of you have brighter, vibrant colors. Some of you went a little bit more subdued, like me. But you had a, a choice of what to clothe yourselves with. And so what Peter is writing here is he says, look, when it comes to your spiritual walk, when you go to that, that closet of attributes, if you got to choose anything, choose to clothe yourselves with humility. Put on humility. Now, I know a lot of you are going, well, Gilbert, when it comes to like my naked body and clothing myself with pieces of fabric, that makes sense of, of how I, I clothe myself. But how do, you, how do you clothe yourselves with humility? Let me give you another word that may help you with this. And it's the word trust. You've got to learn how to trust. Humility is being completely honest with God. You, you trust God with all of who you are. But again, what is today's message about? It's about people, relationships with other people. That we've got to get to the place where we trust other people with who we are. The good, the bad, and the ugly of all of it. 
But here's the sad fact. Most of us are presenting an image to the people of the world of who we want them to think that we are, not who we actually are. Just look even at social media. Many, many people are presenting an airbrushed version of themselves. I mean, there's even things you can do for your photos called filters. That look, I don't want people to see the real me, so I'm going to put a filter on so I look better than I actually do. I mean, the, the world is even like just being blatant about that. Look, put a filter on. Don't be the real you. Just throw a filter on. Now, that's one thing for a photo. But we've bought into that lie for our entire lives. That I, I'm going to put a filter on. I'm going to put a mask on. And I'm going to pretend to be somebody that I'm actually not. Here's the real problem with that. People may fall in love with the airbrushed version of you, but you know the truth. That's not actually you. You know what that leads to? It leads to loneliness. Because you realize nobody actually knows the real me. And so, yeah, you, you may have a lot of friends, whether it's online or in person, a lot of relationships, but you actually feel lonely because nobody really knows you. Pride keeps you from sharing with others the real you, which is why we all have got to get to the place where we have just even a handful, just two or three other people that we're just completely open and honest with. Now, obviously, that if, if you're married, that one, one of those people should be your spouse. But I'm talking about two or three people even above that, that they get to see the real you, that you take the mask off and say, here's who I am, sin and all. And you know that those people in your life are going to say, you know what, it's okay not to be okay. But it's not okay to stay there. So what can we do to come and walk beside you and help you to become all of who Jesus would have you to be? And that's going to take trust. But that's humility. So when you say, here's the real me. And I'm going to trust you with that. No mask. No filters. Just the real me. I mean, Jesus, as you think about his ministry, yes, he spoke to large crowds, big crowds, but that wasn't where his most effective ministry took place. His most effective ministry was when he gathered together with the 12, what we would call life groups. But even more effective than that was he had an inner circle of three, Peter, James, and John. And they got to see every aspect. We all need to have our own Peter, James, and John in our lives people that we're truly doing life deeply together with. No masks, no filters, just here's who I am. And that we're encouraging one another, we're praying for one another, we're spurring one another on and towards love and good deeds. 
So do you have that? Who's your Peter, James, and John that you're just completely open and honest with? You know, and I, I would even uh, apply this then that, you know, when we gather together on, on Sundays here at, at Exponential in this building, a, as a church family, as a church body, we've got to learn to, to trust each other even more. We've got to get beyond the, the superficial conversations that we have so often in here or out in the cafe that, you know, it's news, weather, and sports. How's the kids? How's the grandkids? What we got to remember is that when we gather together, that this isn't to be a museum for saints, that this is to be a hospital for sinners, that we're willing amongst our family to go, life sucks right now. Because you know the typical conversation that people have, you, you pass people out in the hallway there and you're like, hey, how's your week? Fine. How's your week? Fine. It's not always fine. Sometimes things are terrible, but we throw on that mask and we just go, oh, things are good. Praise Jesus. Glory. Hallelujah. But inside, you know that it's not that way. That things aren't fine. And, and so we, we as a, a church family, we, we've got to learn to trust each other even more. Stop pretending that everything's just fine. Clothe yourselves with humility. Be intentional about sharing honestly in all your conversations and be intentional about finding your, your, your two or three people that you can confess your sins to, share your struggles with, explain, you know, hey, here's the areas that, that I'm struggling with Scripture right now. You know, I don't understand that this Scripture can, can somebody help me with this? Or here's the ways that I feel inadequate. You got to find your Peter, James, and John. And when you're together with those people, just be honest. Don't waste their time. Don't waste your own time. Just be honest. And yes, that's going to take a little bit of time because trust takes time. First time you confess a sin to somebody, you want to know that they're not going to write right away get on their phone and they're like on our private like thing going, oh, I have a prayer request that I need to go for so-and-so here. I need to share this. A lot of people, they disguise their gossip in a thing called prayer requests. Say that again. Stop gossiping by telling people, hey, I need you to pray about this when you're talking about somebody else. When you have your two or three, what's said there stays there. If they give you permission to share it with others, that's fine. But for the most part, you've just got to keep it to yourself. Pray about it for them. Encourage them. Help them. Spur them on. Here's what you're going to see. The more honest you get with your two or three, the more you're going to start to see God working in your life, which leads me to point number two, that humility is how I invite God's love to work in my life. Again, humility is how I invite God's love to work in my life. So Peter just said, look, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And then he says this in verses six and seven, 
So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. Remember, Jesus didn't just come to the earth to save you from your sins so you can go to heaven one day. I mean, he did that, but he also came to fix the hurts right here and right now. And the only way that those hurts are going to to be resolved is when you get honest, when you humble yourself and say, life sucks. Things aren't always great for me. Here's where I'm struggling. But you can't ever get that solved and heal from it if you keep ignoring it and trying to hide it from God. Remember, again, Adam and Eve, when they they sinned against God, what was the first thing they tried to do? They tried to hide from God. Do you really think you can hide anything from God? No, of course not. So stop trying. From a a scriptural standpoint, it, it it would say it this way, that we need to bring things into the light. Oftentimes, we're ashamed. And so we try to hide in the darkness. But God says, no, no, no. Bring it out into the light. Humble yourselves. Bring it out. And I'm going to shine my light in, and I'm going to be able to see every little piece that doesn't look like me. And I'm going to clean that for you. I'm going to restore that for you. I'm going to heal you. But we can't be ashamed before God. How many of you saw the movie Wonder that came out about four or five years ago? Did anybody see that, Wonder? Yeah, it was a really uh, good movie. Uh, Julia Roberts and uh, one of the Wilson, I think it was uh, Owen Wilson, um, that starred in it. But it's about this little boy, his name's Augie. And Augie is born with this severe facial disformity. I mean, like one of those, like, it's so bad that, like, whoa, type of thing. And, of course, little Augie, he's ashamed of this. But he has this dream. He he wants to be an astronaut one day. And so his parents have gotten him this gift of a a helmet, an astronaut's helmet. And so Augie, he wears the helmet everywhere he goes. That way people can't see his face. But then as the movie goes on, his parents decide that, okay, when he gets into the sixth grade, we're not going to homeschool him anymore. We're not going to protect him and shelter him in that way anymore. We're actually going to send him to public school. And so he shows up to school with the helmet on. But he's quickly told, no, you can't wear that here. And so he has to take the helmet off. How many of you remember middle school? You can imagine what these boys did to little Augie. They pick on him. They make fun. They're ridiculing him. They're calling him all kinds of names. And then, of course, he's just so ashamed of what he looks like. And so what he does then is, even at home now, he starts to wear the helmet. He doesn't want anybody to see him. He's so hurt. You get about halfway through the movie, and the helmet goes missing. And now he's forced to go everywhere so that people can see what he looks like. Get to the end of the movie, then, spoiler alert, by the way, if you you want to see it, I'm just giving it away, but uh, you get to the end of the movie, and his dad confesses to Augie, I'm the one that took your helmet. 
It's been in my office the whole time. And Augie's like, Dad, why, why, why did you do that to me? I'm so ashamed of, of what I, I look like. And his dad looks at him and he says, I did it because you're my son and I love your face. And I want to see your face. I'm not ashamed of you. I'm your dad and I love you. Folks, that's the story of the gospel. That your heavenly father, Abba, Father, our daddy God, looks at you and says, yeah, you've got some sin. And yes, you're ashamed of it, and rightfully so. You, you, you should be. But I love you anyway. And I want to see your face. I, I want to be in your presence. And so if you'll come to me, Jesus says, I'll fix all that hurt for you. I'll take away the deformities for you. I'll take away the sin. And so I don't know what the helmet is that you've been wearing trying to protect yourself from God, but take it off. Bring it into the light of God's presence. And that's where his love will begin to work in your life and healing will begin to come. You're going, God, I, there's some things I'm not proud of. That's like, I know, but I still love you anyway. That's humility. When you strip off all your pride and say, God, here's who I am. Do you love me anyway? And God says, yes, yes, a million times, yes. So again, number one, humility is a choice that we've got to make. Number two, humility invites God's love to work in my life. Then number three, humility protects me from being devoured. You're going, Gilbert, what in the world? Being what am I in danger of being devoured from? Well, Peter writes about it, verse eight. He says, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Now, remember, the context of what Peter is writing this verse in is this discussion of humility. And it wouldn't appear that right away that this verse, like, is saying anything about humility. And I don't know if this is one of those deals that Peter, as he's writing it, if he understands the fullness of what he was writing, or if it was just, you know, the, the Spirit obviously was inspiring him the whole way in, in what to write. But he's like, okay, God, I'm going to write this down, but I don't even understand what it is I'm writing right now. What does this have to do with humility? That Satan roams around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour? What's that have to do with humility? Now, let me explain it. Do you know how lions hunt? It's actually fascinating. You know, the, the male lion actually isn't the hunter. Male lion actually has a pretty good life. He just lays around, sleeps, eats, and makes little baby lions. I mean, that's the male lion for the most part. It's the females that go out and they hunt, but they actually do it in groups. And, and what they'll do is they'll, like, stealthily and sneakily, they'll, they'll come up on, we'll use uh, gazelles uh, as an example, on the, like a whole herd of gazelles that are there. And the first thing that they do isn't like attack one of the gazelles. The first thing they do is just create chaos. They just spring out 
And all of a sudden, the gazelles start going each and every way. And once the chaos has ensued, they notice, okay, which one has sort of gotten isolated from the rest of the group? And then that's what the lionesses will concentrate on, is that gazelle that's by itself. Now, I was in Africa back in, what, 2020, and got to go on a safari, got to see both lions and the gazelles. And I got to tell you, gazelles are really, really fast. So they have a little bit of an advantage there of the speed, but yet there's all these lionesses that are after them. And so what a smart gazelle will do is it tries to find a thick uh, cover of brush. It's like this hedge that they can, can go into. And that, that hedge provides them protection all around. Because the lions are big. They, they can't get in to that thick overbrush. And so the gazelle is, is in there, this, this hedge of protection. Now is when the females go to the male lion and go, get up off your lazy butt. It's time for you to go to work. In that situation, they'll go and they'll get one of the male lions. And the male lion will come up to that brush where the gazelle is trapped in. And it lets out a mighty roar. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, but a male lion's roar is 25 times louder than if you're standing next to a lawnmower. A male lion's roar can be heard from five miles away. So you got this, this little gazelle, it's there in this hedge of protection, and all of a sudden there's this roar that comes out. Scares the living daylights out of the poor little thing, and what does it do? It runs out of the hedge of protection right into the waiting paws and mouths of the lionesses. Peter writes here that Satan roams around like a roaring lion. What's he trying to do? He's trying to get you out of the hedge of protection that God has offered you. Jesus said it this way, that Satan is the father of all lies. You know what lie Satan wants you to believe probably more than any other? Simply this. I can do life alone. I don't need to stay with the group. I'll be fine. And that, you know what, if, if I really shared with two or three others my sin, if I confessed who I really am, the things I'm ashamed of, people probably won't like me. People won't want to talk to me anymore. People won't want to have anything to do with me. And so that's this, this roar of Satan that is scaring you out of God's hedge of protection. Satan roams around like a roaring lion seeking someone that he can devour. If right now you don't have that two or three, not only are you lonely, but it means Satan is having you for lunch. And so we've got to stop lying to ourselves and our family and our friends and our life group and the people in our church because it's those lies that are getting us into trouble. Humility, honesty, trust. That's God's covering. That's his hedge 
for you to hide out in so that Satan doesn't devour you. Again, I don't think that Peter probably even understood everything he was writing with this. You know, why, why that animal? How many of you know what is a, what is a group of lions called? What is it? Pride. Pride keeps you from being all that God wants you to be. No wonder Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, he writes this in Proverbs 16, 18. He says, pride leads to destruction and arrogance to downfall. This whole series has been about, look, how do we, how do we walk closely with Jesus? And again, we, we've talked about prayer and how to listen for the voice of God. We've talked about reading the word. We've talked about the importance of serving. And I'm telling you, what we've talked about today is probably the most important. You need those two or three people that you just take the mask off, take the helmet off, take the filter off, and just say, here's who I am. And this can't just be two or three, just any, any people. These need to be other followers of Jesus because these whole conversations then have to be centered around the word of God. Just two or three people that just say, hey, let's do life deeply together with, because together we'll be in God's hedge of protection and we'll see his power working in us. So you got to get real. Get real. Because if you want to walk with Jesus, his word says that we need to walk with others. Let's pray together. Father, we do thank you that your word is just so rich with meaning and, and depth. And there's things that we don't always see at first glance. We thank you that your spirit inspired one of your three, Peter, to write these words to us. That, God, you oppose the proud, but you give grace to the humble, so therefore we should humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God that you'll lift us up in due time. And this warning that Satan is roaming around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. So Lord, help us to take seriously your command and, and your plan from the very beginning that we wouldn't just have a relationship with you, but we would have a relationship with other people as well not just superficial relationships, but real, authentic, deep, spiritual relationships where we do confess our sins one to another, that we pray for one another, encourage one another, rebuke one another, uh, submit to one another, spur one another on. Lord, you said that the two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend is there to pick him up, but pity the man who falls and has no one there to pick him up. Father, we don't want to be lonely anymore. We don't want to pretend anymore. And so help us through the power of your spirit to have the courage to just invite two or three other people into our lives that we can just be completely authentic with, completely transparent. 
And Lord, as these little micro groups, as they're, as they're just sharing life together, help them then to, to spur one another on towards love and good deeds. And to know that they are truly better together, that together they can do more for you and for your kingdom than they can do individually. So Lord, again, help us to humble ourselves, not just before you, but before one another as well. I pray all these things in Jesus' name.